Hey, Financially Savvy Travelers, if you are curious to explore outside of your home country by working and moving abroad, well, I have another incredible episode for you. While living abroad as an American isn't always straightforward, it's possible. And in today's episode, we cover all things relocating to Germany including how hard is it really for an American to move to Germany, the most surprising things about living in Germany, cultural differences between Americans and Germans, both in the workplace and their views on money, as well as some of the best things to do in Germany for first-timers. I want you to meet Vanessa Wachtmeister, who has spent the last decade bouncing between China, Boston, Turkey, Germany, and London, pursuing a career in tech while exploring over 50 countries. Vanessa is a travel tech professional, angel investor, and founder of the wealth and wanderlust platform, Wander Onwards. You can follow Vanessa on Instagram over at Wander Onwards. The link will also be in the show notes. Originally from Los Angeles, California, Vanessa helps people build a better life abroad or in the United States by pursuing financial and location independence, no matter your background or experience. Vanessa currently lives in Germany with her German husband and Italian cat. Her motto is be brave, build wealth, and travel often. Now, if you're looking for more Move Abroad episodes, you might enjoy these next. Episode 128 with Adrian M. Walker is all about how to advance your teaching career abroad. And in episode 27, we talk all about the advantages and disadvantages of studying abroad. If you're new here, my name is Danielle Desir Corbett. I'm a financially savvy traveler who believes that traveling is just as important as building wealth. I am so happy you tuned into this episode. So let's go ahead and cue the intro. Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money where planning, saving, and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. Vanessa, I'm super excited to chat with you about moving to Germany. But before we get started, I know that you have worked a lot with people who are looking to work and live abroad. Are there any common roadblocks you see that's really holding people back from taking the leap and pursuing this lifestyle? There's a lot of common roadblocks that folks face, but it mostly depends on where they are financially in their journey and their family structure. So let's say you're a young 20-something, you just graduated college, you have no real responsibilities, I highly recommend you dip out of America and just go figure out who you are, what you're made of, and where you eventually might want to live. And for those folks, the common roadblock that they have is just like not understanding where they want to go or what their options are. So too many options, too many possibilities. When you work with me in my Move Abroad Masterclass, we really try to match you up with a country that reflects your values. So if you decide to stay, you can start that clock on becoming a permanent resident. 
Now, if you have a family, a mortgage, and some real responsibilities, there's some extra levels where we need to make sure your finances are set up in a way where your new home country won't try to dip their hand into your finances. We need to get visas for your family and your extended family members. So the timelines between a young lady that has no real responsibilities and all the fun in the world, she can move abroad in like a month. A family that has a mortgage and like some kids to take care of, I would give around six months to plan. You know, that's so funny that you mentioned this to start off because when I was in my young 20s, like fresh out of grad school, this didn't even cross my mind. Like not even my friends, my circle, like nobody I knew personally was doing this type of like just venturing off. And a part of me regrets that, right? And then now speed up in my 30s, like you said, there's just so many aspects of having a family. It's not impossible. There's just a lot of maneuvering and things to consider. Some of your clients, like, do they struggle with this like regrets or this like FOMO as they're thinking about taking this big leap and next up? Absolutely. The most common like mindset shift that I have to undo with my clients is the regret that they have that they didn't do this earlier, before they were married, before they took out more debt, before they had a family. And a lot of folks will punish themselves up like in their head and mentally for not doing XYZ 10 years ago. But the reality of the situation is one, there wasn't a lot of information online for us to do it in the late 2000s, the late 2010s. Then secondly, we didn't see anyone that looks like you and I doing it. So we didn't think that was possible. And when I announced I was moving to China right after I graduated from Boston College, instead of going to law school, people thought I was crazy. They told me to my face, like, you're throwing away an incredible education. You're supposed to go to law school. You took the LSAT. You will never recover from this decision to go teach English abroad for a year. And funny how the universe works because that same guy that was so vocal against me in my capstone class in university... He actually DM'd me several years later and was like, I'm a lawyer now. I hate it. You had the right idea by going when you didn't have anything tied to your name. And I'm sorry for the way that I behaved and trying to make you doubt yourself when really the doubt was in me. So shout out to that guy's therapist. You really doing the Lord's work. (laughs) And I'm here to let you guys know it is not too late. Your life is not over. The decisions that you made 10 years ago does not dictate the decisions you're going to make in the next 10 years. So powerful. And this is an important reminder for me too, as well. I don't think I have as much regret now, but it's definitely something that I want to make sure my children know that this is an option early and ahead of time. So I love learning about just all the ways that people are creatively traveling so I can be more informed, but I can inform my community as well. So powerful, everything that you said. So for those who have a U.S. passport, what would you say makes a country easy to move to or more attractive to move to versus something that may be a little bit more difficult? Well, the first layer would be availability of embassy or consulate appointments. So you're going to hear a lot online and on TikTok about passport privilege. And what that means is, first of all, there are open slots for you to process your visa paperwork in your home country. In countries like Nigeria or Kenya, 
the embassies and consulates are so backed up. People can't get appointments for a year, two years in advance. And their student visa needs to be processed now so they can go abroad and study. And so in the United States, the first thing you need to do is submit your paperwork. If you're on a student visa, work family visa to the consulate. And then once you arrive in Germany, your second hurdle begins where you need to get an appointment at, in Germany, we call it the Auslandbehörde, And that means the foreigner's office in German. And you need to get an appointment there to process your visa paperwork so you can get a residence permit, which is basically a ID card that says, please don't kick me out. I'm allowed to be here. When I was doing research for chatting with you, you have extensive articles about the visa process. And just, I could literally spend days digging into all the details. But if you had to just summarize for Germany in particular, what are some visa categories that we should know about? I would say listenership for the thought card would be remote workers. So they are more flexible with this location-independent lifestyle. And then some may actually be interested in getting a job actually like physically at a German company. So not too much detail, but just giving us a like bird's eye view of what that looks like for just the types of visas for Germany in particular. Well, at its core, a visa is a piece of paper that says you have a purpose for being in this country. You're here to work. You're here to study. You're here to volunteer. You're here to learn. So when you're thinking about what visa is right for me, you have to really consider, one, what's your ultimate goal? Because that's the type of visa you want to plan for. And two, what's the visa after that? Like That's the conversation no one wants to talk about. These visas expire, y'all. Okay, It's a visa that's good for anything from six months to five years. So what's the plan at the end? If you are thinking about coming to Germany, a couple of great options that are not always talked about are the job seeker visa. So you can actually come here for six months and hang out, learn German, start searching for a job. And this is a unique situation because under the Schengen visa, US Americans only get 90 days in all of the Schengen visa environment. So Giving yourself six months on the job seeker visa will give you more time here in Germany. The second visa that not a lot of folks know about is the entrepreneur visa for Berlin specifically. So if you are a remote worker, if you own a small business, you can apply and show the government paperwork that you do in fact have income and that you can contribute to German society in that way. Then you have the traditional work visas. We're launching a green card equivalent. The green card visa allows people to come to Germany with fewer expectations and requirements than they have in the past. So a lower threshold for income, a lower threshold for German, a lower threshold for your qualifications. There are so many different paths to Germany. You really want to do a deep dive into what's available and applies to you. And we'll make sure to include, again, the extensive articles that you've written. I read quite a few for this chat and I was like, "Ooh, I learned so much in a short amount of time. And I appreciate that. I honestly did not know about the entrepreneur visa in Berlin, which I think could be very attractive for some people who, again, are self-employed and 
who may be interested in just staying in Berlin, which is really, really interesting and cool. So I think a question that's on everybody's mind now is like, okay, I'm zeroing in on Germany. I know what my goal is. I know what kind of visa I'm interested in. Is it hard to move to Germany as a U.S. citizen? So Germany was actually ranked 50th place in the easiest countries to move to in this like global index of industrialized countries. And it's not because people are unfriendly. It's because of the bureaucracy and the steps that you have to take to get over here. It also has the additional like language barrier that folks are going to run into because German is not the easiest language to learn. However, as a U.S. citizen, our passports and our ability to move to Germany is received with open arms. They really want educated, talented, intellectual people to move to Germany and contribute to the economy because this is an aging society. We don't have enough people working in the system to contribute to our pension system here to sustain how many older folks are now graduating into their pension years. So that's why they've been reforming a lot of the immigration laws. That's why they're trying to make the bureaucracy a lot less severe to encourage young, talented, educated people to come here and start working. Yeah. So there's this incentive and there's an attraction for foreigners, which is very nice and interesting to hear. So with that being said, I think the second most like Googled question also when I was doing some research was how open Germany is to foreigners. And you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but in particular, I'm curious about learning German. Is it necessary? How proficient is English spoken like around the country? So just some of those details as well. So in Germany, you should learn German because you are a guest here and it is important for integration. So at that level, I don't think it's an outrageous idea for you to learn a little bit of German here and there. At the society level, like, can you function without German? In the major cities, definitely. Like, lots of people speak English. They're very happy to speak English with you. It's really the older generations that didn't have the opportunity to take English seriously. So they get a little nervous with you when you try, or they feel very self-conscious about it. So they would rather just speak German. In a society lens about whether they're open to foreigners, it's a case-by-case basis based off of city versus countryside. So much like in the United States, if foreigners are coming without like the right language skills or the right openness themselves, they're going to be met with equal hostility or unfriendliness. Whereas I find being very open, being very friendly and just hoping for the best has never steered me wrong. Like I get great service everywhere. I rarely have conflicts with people. I'm sure my husband would disagree because he understands fully on what's going on in the subtext. But for my B1 level German where I can speak it, I can have a relationship in it. I think everybody likes me. I think I'm doing a great job out here. (laughs) So don't worry. People will be nice. But just like back home in America, like not everyone's going to want to be your best friend. And There is no perfect place out there in the world to run to. I'm sorry. I would have found it by now. Yes. Okay. Thank you for level setting and for setting our expectations, which I think is fair. And I think that 
is normal regardless of where you go to, right? There's going to be openness and there might be some apprehensiveness as well. So all things important to think about and consider. So in the beginning of our chat, we talked about just some of the visas out there for the entrepreneurs, for example, but there is another route for people who have traditional jobs with German companies who are getting hired. So talk about that for a bit. How does that look like? What sites are people using to find German-hosted sponsorships? And is it difficult? Just all the things when it comes to the traditional 9-to-5 route there. Yeah. So I actually have a traditional 9-to-5. I do that full-time. And then I work on Wander Onwards, my brand, on the side. And I'm able to do this because one, Germany has some of the most incredible work-life balance in the world. We get 35 days of holiday. Most people end at 4.30. Their day ends at 4.30, friends. And like mental health, time off, all taken very, very seriously. You will be scolded if you're messaging your colleagues on a Sunday or a Friday after five. However, I have very severe ADHD. So I am running a whole business when I'm not working full-time here in Germany. And that's only possible because my job has very reasonable expectations of when I need to work, when I need to be online. And if anyone says differently, they can talk to the Workers' Council, which is the union that represents all of us. So great work-life balance. If you are interested in working at a traditional company here in Germany, you would need a visa sponsorship. So what that looks like is that company needs to show that they couldn't find anyone else to do the position. And for that reason, they needed to hire a foreigner. That sounds scary. It's really not. There's a lot of creative ways that you can file your paperwork. And the advice that I give to my clients in particular is your experience in America cannot be replicated in Germany. So when you come over here, the difference that you have from everyone that is local is you have experience in the American market with American customers in your particular industry, and that cannot be replicated. So because of that, we have tons of colleagues from all over the world. Like half my old team was from Russia. There are tons of people from Israel, from the UK. It's a mishmash over here in Berlin and Munich, where I used to live, of foreigners making it in Germany. So you are not the exception. You can definitely come here. Any advice for folks who may be moving to Germany and aren't really acclimated to a multicultural office setting? Were there things that when you first arrived in Germany that you had to kind of get used to or you're like, okay, this is different, not only like societal, but like in the workplace, like in the workplace, anything that stood out to you? Yeah, cultures work in very different ways and speak to you in very different ways. So the Germans didn't always get along with the folks in the UK because the UK folks are very polite. They like small talk. They're very uncomfortable with conflict. The Germans will let you know if they have a problem with your work and they will let you know how you can fix it. (laughs) And so that was kind of a weird way to acclimate to the environment. But I learned to not take things personally I learned not to submit work that wasn't at a higher degree of performance. And that doesn't necessarily mean more work. It just means that the work that you submit needs to be correct. So just focus on that instead. Also, remember that you're working with people from all over the world here in Germany who are also not acclimated to the environment. 
So my Russian colleagues had a very different style of workplace communication than my German or Spanish colleagues. And so it's kind of a fun game that we play over here. Like, was that an insult or am I just a softie? (laughs) And I know that sounds a little scary, but there's a lot of different things to appreciate here. And actually, I have only been met with like openness and welcomeness for my American personality and energy. I have had the best time working here in Germany so far. And in the office, how much German are you speaking? How much English are you speaking also? I try to speak German every single day. I do speak German every single day. Fortunately, I'm a remote worker technically, so I don't legally have to go into the office. And when I do, most of my friends are foreign, so we speak a lot of English there. But I speak a lot with the cleaning staff because in America, most of our service workers are of Latino descent. And so I've always conducted myself in an open, friendly way towards the cleaning staff because that's how I was raised and those are my people. So in Germany, actually, the service staff often comes from a Syrian background or a Turkish background, some sort of immigrant background. And so the common language there is German. And I actually lived in Turkey for a little bit. So I'm able to connect with people in different languages from different parts of the world. And I love that. That's my favorite thing to wake up to. How difficult would you say is learning German from your personal experience? Really hard. (laughs) You're like, honest, really, really hard. (laughs) So hard. (laughs) I will say, though, as someone who studied multiple languages, you cannot learn a language unless you're immersed in it. So when I was doing my German studies, it was me. 20 Ukrainian refugees and five Arab refugees who had walked here from Lebanon, Afghanistan, Iraq. Like you will never feel like your problems are smaller until you get into an integration course where you learn German with the government. But that being said, because I have a German husband, because I have German friends, because I'm out there in the world speaking German every single day, my German just shot up in comparison to my other colleagues in the class who didn't have a German network, who were too intimidated to go out and network in German. So it really matters your willingness to put the effort in and to actually speak and conduct yourself around folks who do speak German. I studied German in the UK for a year and I did that for a year and couldn't speak as well as I can now doing it for six months, but every day and in the country. Okay, so I definitely want to talk about more practical, like living. We talked about working in Germany, but now the living aspect in Germany. I know on your site, you recommend that before moving to Germany, it may be a good idea to travel to Germany first and give it a go, spend some time there. So how would you recommend folks who are thinking about Germany to actually get acclimated and and have this like trial period before they actually commit. What are your thoughts on that? So I won't persuade people not to just pick their shit up and move to Germany because that's what I did with China. I had never been there before. I didn't speak Chinese. I didn't even know anyone in China. And I just decided to move there when I was 22 by myself. So go crazy, girl. (laughs) But if you did want to do a trial run... I would recommend coming at least for two weeks and staying in one location for that time. Americans love to jump around and make the most out of our two weeks of holiday. But really, to get to know a city, 
one, you need to be there for beyond the five-day honeymoon period, I call it. So when you're just having a ball, going to a bunch of events, eating out every single meal, at the two-week mark, you're going to start to get an idea of the cost of living, how to navigate the city, what the people are like, and whether or not you can call this place home. So two weeks minimum, if you can and have the flexibility, a month is really going to be able to show you whether or not you can make it in this city. But I would encourage you to be kind with yourself when you're thinking about whether or not you can thrive in a city. You're in a new country with a new language, trying your best. And as Americans, we're so hyper fixated on performance and being like the top, top, top level of whatever it is that you're doing. There is nothing more humbling than moving abroad because there are so many things that are outside of your control. And I think it's a great way to learn what you're made of and what your values are. What do you think are the differences between moving to a big city in Germany versus moving to a smaller city or even rural countryside town? Isolation. You will really feel that isolation in the smaller, more rural towns because there's going to be less access to support services whether that's going to a dentist or getting an appointment at the Auslandeprohode. There are fewer and fewer people that you can rely on. However, once you integrate into those smaller communities, I think that you're going to have a better time because people are more willing to open up and to accept you as part of the community. In a big city like Berlin or Frankfurt or Munich, like you could be rolling around on the floor bleeding and people are going to second guess helping you out because they got their own thing going on. Maybe they can't communicate with you. But in the smaller cities, people rely on one another and it's really a much more community-based society. So you're able to access more support from the community. TBD if they speak your language though. Things to think about, right? Because maybe you're a big city gal or big city guy and maybe you're not. So I think thinking about those things as you're planning is really, really important. So is there anything that surprised you like when you moved to Germany like three plus years ago that you were like, this is culture shock. This is different than I would have expected. The food here slaps. Don't let anybody convince you otherwise. The German bread has changed my life. I've been baptized by it and no one can convince me otherwise. Plus, German food is locally grown. They pick that shit up from down the road. They have access to all of the European countries and their truck pathways. So you can import the best food you've ever had from Italy, from Spain, from Portugal. And it costs a fraction of what it would back home. And this is the reason why. Cost of living is very carefully monitored and watched by the government. They want equal access to resources and food for everyone. Great quality food. We have a lot of really affordable organic things. And there are a lot of different supermarkets here that take price competition very seriously. And so the two most competitive brands are Aldi and Lidl. They will sell you organic food for a couple bucks. Like I bought organic beef for four euro. Can you buy organic beef for four euro where you're at? Probably not. I don't eat meat, but definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) And everybody seems to think that German food is potatoes and sausages. It's not. There's like cake and bread and cheese and smoothies and barbecue. German barbecue is amazing. 
So don't let anybody convince you otherwise. German food slaps. You just need to move away from the people who will only feed you cold fruit and vegetables on a platter. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm planning a trip to Germany, not to move abroad or anything like that, but just big vacay. And I'm such a foodie. So I'm very excited to try all the things that you mentioned, which is like exciting to me. All right. So anything else in terms of culture shock, like anything that was strange or just different? I know sometimes when we travel to just the other side of the world, like we just see things differently. Like I remember going to Paris and I'm like, even though it's like still like the West, things are different. Anything different? Do they drive on the right side or left side? Anything different like that? Yeah, they do drive on the right side and there is no speed limit on the Autobahn. So have a great time with that. The Germans are very particular about their spending habits. And so they're very conscious of how much things cost and what their budget is. So to be reminded of that when you're trying to live your best life at brunch on a holiday is sometimes a little strange because they will be very clear with you. Like, this is my budget. This is how much I intend to spend. Or they won't want to join on like lavish experiences, like all you can eat brunch, bottomless champagne kind of stuff. So when you're engaging with Germans on a romantic level, on a friendship level, it can sometimes be off-putting that they would rather take a walk and have a beer in hand versus going to an expensive bottomless brunch. But once you get over the idea that cultures have different spending values, you'll start to notice that Germans really value quality. So the indicator of wealth here in Germany are kitchens. The people with the best kitchens, you know, they're secretly very wealthy. And you would never be able to tell because they shop at Lidl and Aldi, which is the budget retailers. And They'll make a fuss about paying too much for a date or paying too much for a holiday. But that's because they have very specific goals for their money. And it varies German to German about what those goals are. That's like fascinating, super fascinating. And I'm wondering, is it because they're taught about money at school or at home? Is there any trends that you're seeing as to why the spending culture is kind of geared towards that mindset versus like American mindset? I think it's like post-war trauma and mindset that's passed on from that generation because folks who were part of World War II, for better or for worse, they're still alive here. Like they still remember not having access to things, having a scarcity mindset, having problems with paying regular bills and accessing food. So those values in the, in the grandparents' generation gets passed down to the next generation, which would be anywhere from like 30 to 60. And then these new Gen Zs and younger millennials, they're starting to become more like fixated on things and costs, like American culture influences them to think. But still, at its core, Germany is very conscientious about their spending habits. And that comes across into politics, in relationships, in society in general. You'll also notice that people go a lot further with a lot less here in Germany. So in America, people are fixated, six-figure salary, big car, big house, blah, blah. The German society, like six-figure salaries are not so common. Actually, the average German family here in Berlin makes 40,000 euros per month. And so they're still able to live and thrive. They just have to be more budget conscious. And they're a big cash society. So they want to have fat savings accounts so that they can run away with their money if need be or invest in their children's future 
or buy what they call concrete gold, which is property. So fascinating to just see how culture impacts the mindset in terms of money and just how your behaviors, just we could spend all day talking about this. But I'm just curious to learn personally for you, Vanessa, how has moving to Germany impacted your finances and also push this location independence lifestyle that you talk about so much on your platforms? I have never saved and invested more money in my life. The ability to plan for the future because of the lower cost of living here has changed my life for the better and forever. My whole trajectory changed once I made it to Germany. And before this, I was living and working in London for six years. And it felt like I got my paycheck and then it would just spill out of my hands onto the street. Like, There was a London breathing tax where you start the day down 20 bucks. It was outrageous. And part of the reason why we decided to move our family to Germany, one, for the opportunities, because my husband got a a job offer here, but two, because we were sick of the cost of living crisis in London and knew that something had to be better out there. My husband might disagree with me that we want to die in Germany and live here forever, (laughs) but... I will never forget that Germany enabled us to accelerate our wealth generation. It has allowed me to become almost debt-free. I'm 10,000 away from being fully debt-free from $100,000 worth of student loan debt. And that was only possible because of the reduced cost of living here that was matched against my high salary in tech. Do you in Germany have any special pension programs that are set aside? I know that healthcare is taken care of to a certain extent. So can you talk about those benefits as well, which definitely impact your finances at the end of the day too? 100%. So I get a lot of flack and trolls trying to tell me, oh, but the taxes... That's why I could never think of Germany, but I actually ran the math. And if you go to my Instagram account, Wander Onwards, you can go to my Florida versus Berlin tax breakdown. And here in Germany, our taxes are already contributing to healthcare and pension retirement. So if you think about Florida, which is a no state income tax environment, You maybe keep $10,000 more at the end of the year, but then you have to spend that on healthcare and pension slash retirement. Here in Germany, if you made 80,000 euros a year, about 5,000 of that will go to pension contributions, so the government system, and then another 5,000 of it will go to your healthcare. So that's about 350 that you pay out of pocket. And then your company contributes the rest. And that, of course, fluctuates based off of how much money you're earning. So you could pay less if you're making less, but you're covered at all facets of your life. Like you can get physical therapy if your shoulder hurts on the government healthcare scheme. You can get access to cancer treatments, to surgeries, to the dermatologist. Whereas in America, you got copay, you got deductibles. You got all this nonsense. My health insurance, it even pays for my medication. And so I'm so grateful that those numbers, my pension and my healthcare are already built into my package here in Germany for my job. And so all of my other money gets to go to my wealth generation path and some fun things that I like to do on the side. 
And I think there's a lot of people who just kind of throw out these like blanket statements without digging into the numbers. So we will definitely make sure to link out number one to all of your resources and all of your amazing Instagram videos. So I'll find it and I'll link out to it for that comparison, Florida versus Berlin. All right, before we head out, I am selfish and I just gotta know, what are some of your favorite things to do throughout the country in Germany for first timers though. So it's your first time. It's my first time going to Germany. So what would you recommend for me to do when I planning my trip? You have to take the trains here. The trains will shuttle you back and forth across the country. They might not always be on time, but they will eventually get you there. And you can see the most incredible Alps. You can see plains, like grass plains. You can see the ocean rivers, creeks, snow, depending on when you come. It is such a beautiful country. And I don't think enough people appreciate it because they fixate on a big city or Oktoberfest. When in reality, you have these gorgeous landscapes that you have to go enjoy to really understand, one, the history of this country, and two, the slower pace of life that you get to enjoy here. So a really popular thing that you need to do when you come here is you need to go to have Frühstück or breakfast at a little farm outside of a big city. So sometimes it's at the top of a hill. So people will actually like strap on some hiking boots, take a backpack, walk up the mountain, have lunch or breakfast at the top, maybe a cheeky beer, and then hike back down. That's a very common German Sunday. And to have that flexibility to be outside, to hike safely and not think you're going to be murdered, you cannot pay me enough (laughs) to stay here because you just don't have something like that in the States where as a woman, you could go do that by yourself or with your girlfriends and feel safe about it. Do you recommend Oktoberfest in Munich? What do you think? I've not actually been. It was COVID when I moved to Munich, but I will be there the third week of September. So if you're out there, let's vibe, girl. Let's meet up. But you have to bring a drindel. You will not embarrass me in front of these Germans. I don't know if you drink at all, but like what's beer culture like in Germany? I don't drink too much beer, but beer culture is all about enjoyment and like a slower paced to life. So we have beer gardens that people spend hours at just drinking, talking, spending time with people. I didn't know that Germans were so fixated on family culture, friendship culture until I got here. They really take those relationships quite seriously. Sounds like my kind of place. Beer gardens. Yes, yes, yes. Sign me up. Yes. Get a big old pretzel (laughs) that's the size of your face, girl. You'll love it. Oh my goodness. I can't wait. We've been planning this trip for two years. So I'm excited to actually get things moving. Vanessa, thank you so much for coming on, blessing us with so much wisdom. I know you have a freebie and resources to point us to. So this is a great time to wrap up. Let us know where we can connect with you and all those things. Yeah, you can go to my website, which is wander, W-A-N-D-E-R, onwards.co, not com. And I have a freebie where I provide you with a list of free and affordable master's degrees in Europe specifically that are taught in English. So if you want to move to Europe, the best way to do is to study first because you get acclimated 
the university does all of your paperwork and you launch a network for yourself in that country. And in Germany, the public education system here, you could be paying as little as 300 euros per semester for your degree. Yeah, it's outrageous. And it's taught in English. So to top that up, you can also apply for a DAD scholarship, a D-A-A-D scholarship that will give you 12,000 euros to live off of during your time in Germany. And if you pick a second or third tier city, that's actually enough to cover your basic expenses while you're here, given that university is so affordable. So don't sleep on these master's degree abroad. That's how I did it in London. And it set me up for the rest of my life. I mean, master's literally is why I was in so much student loan debt, like $40,000 for a year and a half in the US. And I spent years trying to pay that off and they're alternatives. So take up Vanessa's offer, okay? The link will be in the show notes. Vanessa, thank you so much again for coming on. And that's a wrap, Financially Savvy Travelers. I'll see you in the next episode. 